Well, I love being able to hear from some of you. Last week, we got to hear from the kids, and their big thing was that they could beat their parents in video games. So this was fun to be able to hear from the parents as well, what you love about your kids at their age. So thank you for participating in that. Well, when you go to the grocery store and you want to buy a dozen eggs, what is the first thing that you do when you pick this up before you put it into your cart? You check them, okay? Hopefully you take a minute to open this little puppy up and make sure that all of the eggs in here are good and healthy and that they don't have any cracks. Now, what do you do if you find a little crack? I don't know about you, but I just close it and I put it right back for the next person, right? Not very nice of me, but that's what it is. Um, but anyway, we want to open this up and make sure that all of our eggs are healthy and that we're buying a good dozen. And what I want to do today for the message is I want to do the same thing for the family. I want to sort of open up the carton on our families and sort of look inside at six different characteristics of keeping our families healthy. We want our families to be healthy and growing and be able to experience all of the fun things that the parents just talked about. And that takes a lot of energy, emotional energy, spiritual energy, physical energy to keep our families healthy. And for those of you that have young kids and you're in the household, maybe these eggs, as I talk about them, each characteristic today, that's going to represent your family that's at home. Maybe some of you, your families are grown, and so these eggs are going to represent as you as grandparents. And how is it that you can continue to invest in your larger family even though they're outside of the house? Maybe you um, haven't started a family yet, but you're thinking about this as some characteristics that you want to have for your own family growing up. Or maybe they represent nieces or nephews for you, or maybe even some brothers and sisters. But we want to take a look at the family in a little bit of detail this morning. Now, eggs are pretty fragile, aren't they? If I were to play with this a little bit and throw it up in the air, and if I were not to catch it, it would make quite a mess on the carpet. And Rob here would not be very happy with me. Because our eggs are pretty fragile. But when you cook this, if I were to hard boil this, it would be a whole different story. We could crack it, and we could look inside, and it would be much stronger on the inside. And so what we're doing in this series of messages this month called Building Strong Families is we're looking inside of the family a little bit to look at what are the things that strengthen and help families in the long run. And our goal is really this. How can you and I participate in growing a generation of spiritual champions who love Jesus with all of their heart? And who go to bring the healing work of Christ in our nation and in our world. Because our world is broken and in need of God's healing. And this next generation, even more than, than the one currently, is going to be a global generation. And they're going to make impact to the ends of the world. And so we need to train them and help them in all the ways that we can to love Jesus, to serve him, and to bring that to bear on the world around us. Our foundational scripture for this morning, you're going to see it up there on the screen, is Proverbs chapter 24, verses 3 and 4, and it says this. By wisdom, a house is built, and through understanding, it is established. Through knowledge, its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. Isn't that a great picture? The rooms, your children, right, they get to be rare and beautiful treasures as we look inside, as we live according to God's word to the best of our ability. So what I want to do is I want to look at six characteristics this morning, really to model Christ <clears throat> in our home environments. Six ways that we can model Christ in our home environments. And I want us to look not just about knowing these things, 
but about really practicing them in our daily lives as well. So let's pray as we get started this morning. Lord Jesus, as we come here, we're so grateful for the sun that shines after the storm. And Lord, even though it's cold outside, we gather together with your people. We gather together in praise so that we might be filled and energized by your spirit. But Lord, I recognize that we bring burdens with us today. People that we love that might be struggling or hurting. People in our families, Lord, that might be going through difficult times or health struggles. And so, Lord, we just lift our families to you this morning. Our immediate family, our extended family. God, that you would just minister in ways that only you can do. And help us, Lord, as we grow closer to you and closer to one another. And so, Lord, we just lift them to you this morning. And ask, Lord, that you would help us to focus now on your word and what you have for us, that your Holy Spirit would teach us in these days. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. So as we look at some of these foundational characteristics of healthy homes, many of you are already doing these things. But what I want to do is just remind us of these, because every once in a while, there'll be just a hairline crack in an egg. And it's hard to see these hairline cracks in our families. And if we aren't aware of them, and if we don't mend them quickly, they can grow bigger. And then we begin to have a more uh, disastrous kind of effect. Or if one of these eggs really is kind of getting rotten, it affects the whole batch. And so we need to pay attention to all of these and make sure that we're doing them on a faithful basis in our families and in our areas. So let the Holy Spirit just speak to your heart this morning. The first characteristic that we want to look at is really to focus on living for Jesus Christ. And we talked about this a little bit last week. Joshua 24, 15 is what we used last week. Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And we have to start there as the foundation of all that we are. As we think about praying for our kids and we think about praying for their physical health and praying for their emotional health, we also need to be praying for their spiritual health. That God would really create in them a love for him. And that that is really important that we pray for that on a regular basis. And that we make really Christ the very center of our home. Our kids don't need just a small dose of God right now. They need a big dose. They need the full treatment so that we can be on fire, so that we can be models for our kids. And if you're not excited about it, parents, they're not going to be excited about it too. And if I were to interview your kids and I was to ask, hey, is your dad excited about his faith? Is your mom, does she really live out her faith? Is it real in her life? What would they say? Grandmas and grandpas, how do you model that faith, that consistent presence for your kids or grandkids? And if we were to ask that, we need to put Christ as the center of our faith. Obedience to Christian principles is that the driving force behind your household culture. We're going to talk about this in a little more detail next week, but really placing God at the center of the family provides that solid foundation for everything else. And so that's our foundational egg, if you will, in our metaphor this morning. A second one is this, and you know this already, but just a reminder, to love one another unconditionally to really love each other unconditionally. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we also must lay down our lives for each other. This kind of love is a hands-on demonstration of care and a love that remains strong no matter what happens. When your teenager calls and they've wrecked the car 
and you try to say, what? What? Are you okay? Right? It's how do we respond when they call about stuff that we don't necessarily agree with? How do we respond in that manner that helps them know that they are loved no matter what they tell us? No matter if it's something we agree with or something that we don't, that that love is always going to be there. Here's the words of a 25-year-old. I wasn't exactly an angel when I was an adolescent. But my parents, especially my mom, just kept loving me so much that her love alone forced me to change. Maybe subconsciously I equated her love with God's love. But in college, when I had some psych courses, I began to realize that her love was a direct reflection of an even deeper love that God had for me. It wasn't just something that got me through my childhood, but it was a love that made all the church talk about God's love a very real thing for me. Do you realize, parents and grandparents, that you have the great awesome privilege and responsibility to be a mirror that reflects the unconditional love of Christ? And that's a huge responsibility. But that's what you get a chance to do for your kids and for your grandkids. That unconditional love is not always easy. Here's what a parent says. On those days when I felt more like killing my daughter than loving her because of her mouth or her attitude or whatever, I was often drawn back to the thought that this must be what it's like for God to put up with my sins. His response was to die for me. And remembering that always, well, usually, helped me to stay centered and respond in a more calm and loving way to my daughter, at least more calm or loving than I was feeling. If God could love me unconditionally, I was determined to love my kids with that same kind of love. I failed a lot, but it sure did a lot better because of that ideal. And I walked with a mom whose seventh grade daughter treated her very, very poorly, and it was a very difficult time. And that mom prayed and prayed and prayed through that entire year. And finally, that daughter and mom were able to reconcile, but it was not easy. And I think that's what the church family gets a chance to be a part of. When you're struggling in some area of life, when you've got these toddlers and they're just driving you crazy and all you can see is diapers, to have somebody come alongside of you and say, it's going to be okay. You're going to get through this and you're going to get to the other side. And to have somebody in the church family to come alongside that mom or dad who are really struggling with that teenager and say, it's going to be okay. You're going to get through this time. And that's where grandparents, you have a great opportunity to provide some perspective for your kids as they deal with their grandkids and to keep loving them and to keep being persistent and to keep being a reflection of that unconditional love no matter what they tell you and no matter how they act. Every member of the family can do this. Brothers and sisters, do you show that same kind of unconditional love for each other? In the midst of the quabbles, in the midst of the struggles, in the midst of all the brother-sister stuff, do you still show that unconditional love that I'm with you no matter what? Because that's a place where they will have a secure environment and a place to be risked and still loved. That unconditional love has to be a foundation in all of our families, even when we get older. A third characteristic is to listen one to one another and reconcile differences rapidly. To listen to one another and to reconcile differences rapidly. Proverbs 12, 15, the way of a fool seems right to him, but a wise man listens to advice. 
In a typical American family, there are less than 15 minutes a day of direct parent-child conversation. In a typical family, less than 15 minutes of direct parent-child interaction. There are always all kinds of other noise and hustle and bustle in life. How often do we really listen to each other? How often do we really listen to our kids? It's hard to have that face-to-face interaction. We listen with our ears, but we also listen with our eyes. And Jesus was so good at this when he was here on earth, and he would look at the person that he was talking to, and that person would become the absolute center of his attention. And he would, he would listen to them, and he would respond to them, and it didn't matter what anybody else around him was doing. He was so good at giving them that attention and helping them to know that they were loved and that they were heard. And how can we give that gift to our kids and to our grandkids? There are times where they're going to be rattling off with something that's important to them, those little toddlers or your kids or your teenagers, and you might not have any, know anything about it. My son tells me all kinds of stuff about video games. I don't know anything about it. But I try to listen, uh-huh, uh-huh, and I try to be interested in what he's talking about because it's important to him, and it needs to be important to us as well. Listening also helps us to resolve those conflicts that arise in the family. And there's some of the day-to-day squabbles that we have, but sometimes there are conflicts that are even more challenging and more difficult as the family expands and maybe you can't see each other as much as, as you'd like to as you're used to. And those things, they can create some deep hurts and there can be some cracks that happen in that egg. And those deep hurts are hard. But we've got to work through them and we've got to talk about them and we've got to get a chance to resolve them because it's important. And your kids and your grandkids are going to watch you, mom and dad, and how you interact with each other and how you resolve conflicts with each other. And I'm one of those, I think it's really important, parents, to be able to argue in front of your kids and have them see that, but then example of how you also reconcile. If you're going to have a disagreement, help them understand how you reconcile and how you do that. Because it's our job to be able to train them so that they also understand how to do that. And as brothers and sisters, how are they reconciled? How are you modeling that reconciliation with each other? So that when our kids get out in the workplace and when they get out in the marketplace, they know how it is to respond when life doesn't go as they think it's going to go. And to work that conflict out with each other. Scripture reminds us, don't let the sun go down on your anger. If conflicts aren't talked about, if they don't get settled, they just get bigger and they get bigger and they serve to shatter the family someday. And in my 20 years of pastoral experience, I've seen conflicts that absolutely destroy a family. And I just wish with all of my heart that they could go back and begin to heal and mend some of those wounds. It's important. We've got to listen to each other and reconcile our differences and help our kids understand how to argue and how to reconcile with each other. They know how to argue. How do they reconcile with each other? A fourth characteristic, we need to encourage our family members with our words. We need to encourage our family members with our words. Reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Do you know in a typical week, We use about 2,000 different words. That feels like a lot. But every single day, research shows that men and women use about 16,000 words. 
Now that seems like a lot to me, but that's what it says, 16,000 words that we use every single day. What is the bulk of those words? What are we using them for? How are we using them to bless other people? Our words matter. The words that we use, brothers and sisters, the words that we use, mom and dads, have a huge impact, not just today, but also on the hearts of those in our family. Harvard completed a 35-year study which concluded that children who were encouraged and supported in their family unit lived healthier lives physically when they hit their 50s and 60s. That means you have less chance of a heart attack or high blood pressure simply because you were supported and encouraged in your family. And every family member is unique and special, and we get a chance to celebrate that. That's what I love about the videos. Some of you parents who shared, what did you say? I love being able to watch my kids and watch their personalities and see how they develop and what they love. We want to encourage that, that they would be all that God would have them to be, not just what we want them to be. If they like something else that is different than you, that's okay. How do we get a chance to celebrate that uniqueness? Not just when they're 6, 8, and 10, but when they're 18 and 20 and 24. How do we keep encouraging that in our kids and our grandkids that they could be all that God wants them to be? I think a fifth characteristic that's important in the family too is that we teach responsibility. That we teach responsibility. Proverbs 13, 4, the sluggard craves and gets nothing, but the desires of the diligent are fully satisfied. We want kids to know that they are valued for who they are, but they also have a responsibility to contribute to the family. And it's our job as parents and grandparents to teach them that and to teach them how to be responsible with all that they have. If we're going to raise a generation of spiritual champions, we have to help them to know how to be wise stewards of the resources that they're given, resources of their money, resources of their time. And parents, it's our responsibility to teach our children how to take care and be responsible with money. And it can start even when they're really little with little chores and being able to help them to earn some money. With Aaron, we started very early. He got 25 cents for making his bed. You know, it was exciting. But he had this little chore chart, and he'd put on there, and every Saturday night, we'd give him his little money for the week. And then we would do it in three areas, to give, to save, and to spend. And we began to put that in there, 10% you want to give, 10% to save, and then you can spend the rest. How do we begin to help them very early on to be responsible with the resources that they've been given? It is a privilege and a responsibility to be a steward of God. And so how do we begin to do that? And we have to do that early so that when they're a teenager, we can help them understand that. As they get more resources and they learn to use a debit card or a credit card, and how do we help them with that? It's our responsibility and privilege to do that. And one of the things I'm so thankful to my family about is that they helped me to understand that. Give, save, and spend. And to know that that first amount, that 10% goes to the Lord. And I learned that growing up. And that is a gift that you and I give and can give to the next generation. Is to help them begin to understand that so that when they are ready for college and when they hit the marketplace, they know how to value money. They know how to pay those bills on time and live within their means and have an emergency fund. But it's part of our responsibility as kids, as parents, to teach our kids that responsibility to give, save, and spend. And grandparents, you get a chance to reinforce those as well. And the last one I want to talk about this morning is celebrating traditions together. 
What traditions hold you together as a family? A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. What is it that you, that you do as a family for Christmas? And what is it that you do as a family for Easter? And what is it that you do for birthdays? And those traditions are important because they hold a family together. And even your larger family, you get together with those groups of people and it holds you together. And that's been a challenge this year, but don't give up on it because it's important. And it's important to have those fun times that we get a chance to gather. If, if I were to pull all of you in the congregation, maybe one of your most fun memories of childhood was something that your parents didn't even plan. Maybe it was something like this. You know, the most memorable time in my childhood was the time we went camping on Lake Wiggywaga, and the humidity was 110, and Dad tried to set up the tent, and then the tent collapsed during the night, and a pack of raccoons ate all of our marshmallows. Whatever it is, it's fun. And you tell the story over and over again because those are the times that your kids remember. And those are the times that bond your family together. And those are the times that are important. But can't give up those fun times and those traditions because they hold you together. Grandmas and grandpas, this is your specialty because you get to take your grandkids, you get to just spoil them. Make sure you're making those memories and having some fun, because that's where that heart connection goes together. What family traditions will your children and grandchildren carry on, perhaps in their own families, someday? It starts with making that time together. So as we close out this morning, I want you to think about the eggs in your family carton, how precious they are. Maybe they represent the children in your household right now. Maybe they represent your grandchildren. Maybe they represent the family that you hope to have someday. Maybe they represent nieces or nephews. But think about how precious they are. And you as parents and you as grandparents have this great privilege and responsibility to nurture them and to grow them in the way that they mature and grow into spiritual-minded kingdom kids, spiritual champions that carry on the message of Jesus to the next generation. By wisdom, a house is built, and through understanding it is established. Through knowledge, its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. What eggs in your family carton are really healthy right now? And which might have a slight crack in them and have in need of a little mending? Is it putting Christ as the center of your family? Is it your words with each other? Is it the ways that you resolve conflict? Is it about really focused family time of fun together? Or being wise stewards and teaching your kids to honor God with their resources? But ask God to help you to be the parent or grandparent that he wants you to be. Because all of us have a responsibility to grow healthy families. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, our families are so very important. And whether we have kids at home right now or they're out in the world with their own families, Lord, family is always close to our heart. And Father, we know these things in our head, but Lord, sometimes it's really hard 
it's hard to show that unconditional love, God, when we're going through a time of trial with our teenagers or, or college students. And God, I just pray that you would give us that long-suffering love to be really a reflection of your love. And Lord, honest, if we're honest, there's conflicts that come up in our families every single day. And help us, Lord, to model, to model what it means to work through those things in a healthy way and to really show our kids and grandkids how to do that to the best of our ability. Lord, we do want to serve you with all that we have and to build into our kids, Lord, all that they need as they go out into the world. So, Lord, help us as parents, as grandparents, as aunts and uncles to invest, Lord, in the next generation so they too might grow to know you, to love you, and to serve you. Thanks, God. Help us with that each and every day. In the name of Christ, amen.